Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. Thanks for listening. Happy Monday to you guys. Hoping to have this out in time for that afternoon drive home. Look, we've got a lot to get to on this edition of the pod. We're going to talk about Pac-12, SMU's to-do list, if they're to get in, and what they need to do next once that happens, um, if all goes as how we're expecting it. But first, I do want to start off with Commitment Watch, commitment watch uh, and the prospect we're keeping an eye on who just announced his commitment timeline is four-star defensive back Kadavian Dotson Walker out of Duncanville. He has set his commitment date for Friday or Saturday. Uh, it says about four days on that Instagram timeline uh, countdown for him. And this is a prospect we've been watching for for quite some time when it comes to SMU. The Mustangs have taken a commanding lead on the on three recruiting prediction machine. And look, we've talked about him a lot. We thought there was a chance that right after his official visit, which was the last official visit for him in the month of June, that he would shut things down. Well, uh, things have gone into July, but I don't think SMU fans will need to wait much longer. Um, His top schools that he listed were LSU, Texas, Oklahoma State's in there. Um, A bunch of other programs have tried to get him on campus for official visits, but it was SMU that really took the momentum in this one. And uh, things are trending well for an end of the week. A very happy day for the SMU coaching staff, but also SMU fans. Uh, He sits there now as a four-star prospect, number 312 overall prospect in the country, number 30 safety nationally. Um, And I think about Kadavian Dotson-Walker, and I think about his versatility. Could play free safety, could play nickel at the next level. Comes from that storied Duncanville program, uh, which has captured a state championship last year and will certainly be gunning for another state title next uh, season, this upcoming season. He's got teammates that SMU's after as well. They hosted five-star edge Colin Simmons, who's now the number one edge rusher in the country, according to On3. He moved up couple spots in the latest on 300 rankings updated on Monday. But SMU is also after 2025 four-star quarterback Keelan Russell. He's one of the top quarterbacks in the country, a top 100 prospect overall. SMU hosted him last month. I've got a big story from him on how his visit went that I dropped over the weekend. If you're not on on theponyexpress.com, jump on today for just $10 a month to check out that story. Uh, A big target for the Mustangs. Uh, in in Keelan Russell, the four-star quarterback out of Duncanville who led them to that state championship uh, last season. Now, before I go any further, I got to talk to you guys about our friends at Big Game USA. See this? The official game ball for the SMU Mustangs. Preston Stone, the Mustangs, helped design this football right here in Addison. Big Game USA has been at this for years, making footballs for colleges around the country, about 112 of the 130 uh, uh, FBS programs in America use Big Game USA. But did you know you could get the official game ball of SMU just in time for football season? I'll show you how. You jump online, you go to biggameusa.com, and you get a promo code, promo code BEON3. And this is... Right here, right on the website, you see it there. You can add it to cart to your cart. But with that promo code, you get 10% off your order plus free shipping. So go to biggameusa.com to check out the official game ball of the SMU Mustangs. You can get it to throw around on the boulevard, get some autographs from your favorite Mustangs, put it in a case in your house after you do that, and then get another one for the boulevard if you want. Uh, but that promo code is not only good for the SMU footballs, but they've also got footballs uh, from around the country that are available for purchase uh, for your favorite college fan of another team. Um, there are a bun- bunch of colleges on there you could pick from and get your official game ball for SMU or whatever school on there you're looking at. Um, plenty to choose from. So check them out. Big Game USA, DFW owned. Um, so check the- check them out. I'm working on some cool things for maybe around football season to do with them and their facility right there in Addison. So check it out. Promo code BEON3 for 10% off your order plus free shipping. Now we jump into what I discussed early in the podcast. We're going to talk about the to-do list 
for SMU and SMU football, especially, and even a little basketball thrown in there when it comes to if SMU gets into the Pac-12. We know that SMU has done just about everything it can do to get into the Pac-12 and move up to the Power 5 ranks. But the work does not end with an invitation and an acceptance into the Pac-12. The work is only beginning from there. Now, once again, we're sitting here in July waiting on the finalization of a media rights deal for the Pac-12. And according to a few reports out there, we're expected to see or hear about some potential significant framework on that media rights deal ahead of media day or by media day, which is July 21st in Las Vegas. If that does come to fruition, that could mean expansion could then be green-lighted to happen. What that would do in theory, and it might not look this way, it might look this way, but the significant framework would give the Pac-12 the green light to expand if they so choose, which all indications are they're going to expand and add SMU and San Diego State. But what that media rights deal framework would look like is similar to what the Big Ten looks like right now, which they have a finalized media deal. They have two new programs in USC and UCLA coming into the fold in 2024. But in reality, their deal is not completely signed, sealed, and delivered. So that would put the Pac-12 on the same footing as the Big Ten. The Big 12 just officially, officially got theirs done just ahead of UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, and BYU entering the league. And so that deal is done. That kicks in um, in the future, I believe. I think in 2024, um, when that when that officially happens, I could be wrong on that. But um, when you when it comes to the Pac-12 and getting this media rights deal to that significant framework, I've talked about this before, but I don't think this league is very concerned about deadlines as long as it gets done and it's in the best place for the league. So could we see this, you know, Pac-12 media day come and go without this significant framework? Sure. But like our friend Ross Dellinger told us on the podcast earlier this year, he wasn't really going to touch much of this reporting until he really felt good about it in certain avenues. And he felt good enough to report that that significant framework is expected to get serious traction potentially ahead of that July 21st media day. So if that happens, we could see invitations go out. We could see that take a little bit longer to do. But the point of it is, is that SMU is in position for the Pac-12. They've invested in facilities. They've invested in coaching staffs and giving them resources to compete at the highest level, namely football. Um, We know what SMU is doing with the $100 million Gary Weber end zone complex. I took some fresh pictures on Twitter uh, this morning when I was uh, by uh, SMU to watch some basketball practice, which we'll touch on at the end of the pod. But that type of investment, the Armstrong Fieldhouse, which is really just one of the premier indoor facilities nationally. I, I've seen a good number of them, and they're either um, like just industrial-looking buildings, sometimes even open air. Um, UAB, I think, had an open air one. Uh, Houston's is very industrial-looking. And then you have some other ones that you know, kind of are older and just get updated here and there. Um, and then you have what SMU has done and some other programs around the country, sure. But uh, when it comes to indoor practice facilities, SMU is right up there with some of the ones that I've been in um, when it comes to those standalone facilities, um, you know, just nationally around uh, the country. I mean, geez, even USC uh, had to run their 40s for their pro day in the rain uh, because they don't have an indoor practice facility. Uh, which is pretty wild to think about that program not having that. But you look at those facilities, you look at what is eventually going to happen with Gerald J. Ford Stadium once that end zone complex is complete, once they're able to kind of dot some other, um, you know, areas of the of the stadium with upgrades with sound and, and the second video board is going up in time for this season and things like that, that'll continue to happen. SMU has never stopped investing in facilities once they really got that ball rolling. Obviously, Moody Coliseum was the big one the new swimming and diving facility, tennis uh, facility, soccer stadium. It just keeps going, um, even Trinity Forest Golf Course. So uh, SMU continues to invest in facilities. That won't change once SMU is in the Pac-12. And in fact, if you're asking me how this all might go, I mean, you're you're looking at 
with the money that SMU is going to eventually bring in, maybe we see some of those uh, other upgrades that need to happen uh, to Ford Stadium sooner rather than later, in a sense, because you are going to have to prepare for years to come of what needs to be an elevated game experience. And SMU is going to get that in the, in the south end zone um, with the complex, without a doubt. But they also have to do some other things, I think, in my opinion. So I want to lead off with that that piece of it. You're going to have your football team all taken care of with the Gary Weber end zone complex. And um, SMU is is putting together um, a program under Rhett Lashley and this coaching staff that uh, is doing things the right way and really trying to focus on what they can do best to position themselves to win a conference championship. And what SMU has done is they've rewarded uh, the football program with a facility like the Gary Weber end zone complex. And when you look at what's next, I would love to see Ford Stadium get some loge box style seating um, when it comes to maybe the lower bowl. I don't know what that looks like and how they're able to do that. Um, But you also look at the, uh, I guess that would be the West Side uh, Stadium Club. Maybe that gets a facelift. Um, Maybe we see some of that become even maybe a little bit more open air um, or at least the option to, you know, on on a nice, cool fall night. It'd be nice if you were at least sitting in the suites up there uh, to be able to do that. And um, then on top of that, um, SMU has improved the Wi-Fi over the years. They've improved, um, you know, the sound system. That'll come once the the whole facility is done and once the acoustics of this stadium are now set in place. Um, and then I, I do wonder, what do you do um, with maybe some of the seating to either upgrade it or Um, try to just make it a better overall fan experience. Those are some of the things that SMU can do once they get that end zone complex finished. And on top of that, into the Pac-12, of course. Um, But because SMU also has this north end zone space where the Lloyd uh, All Sports Complex is, they're going to be able to maybe do some things in there. Obviously, the one thing that we're going to see is that the uh, visiting team is going to have the old SMU locker room. Uh, that is a change that's happening. So there's space where the visiting team's locker room is that's going to change. Um, there's a weight room uh, in that north end zone complex. I'm interested to see how SMU maybe repurposes that for other teams or what that looks like overall um, because you're having this spectacular end zone complex, but how can you better utilize all that space that is all of a sudden going to be empty. Now we know a lot of it is going to be repurposed for other coaching staffs, for other sports that, you know, kind of occupy um, Ford stadium and and the Lloyd all sports complex and the nutrition area when it comes to the South end zone will be for all athletes, um, which is pretty standard when, when things like that get built. Uh, But I'm interested to see how SMU can do little things to Ford stadium and maybe some of the, obviously the concourses, um, and, and concessions and, and restrooms need to be upgraded, in my opinion, just overall. And what that looks like from there, I'd be interested to see kind of what the master plan, what the next step would be for Ford Stadium. But um, you look at Moody Coliseum, it's picture perfect. Soccer Stadium um, with what they've done there is, is terrific. Um, all the f- other facilities are, are just there there. Um, and at that high, high level, um, maybe Crumb uh, could find a way to, you know, get upgraded again, things like that. But overall, SMU is going to be entering the league with pretty much no questions when it comes to uh, the facilities um, if they do get that invite to the Pac-12. But uh, as, you know, Power 5 programs for the most part have shown, the arms race for, for facilities just keeps going. And what's the next best thing? What's the next thing we can include or add and things like that. And so I'm intrigued to see what SMU does beyond that, because once this facility is completed, as far as the football program goes, you're not really going to touch it for a while because it is supposed to be that state-of-the-art facility that, you know, when it comes to SMU building new facilities for their athletics programs, uh, they don't really need to go back and do them differently. I know Ford Stadium was built in a different time and all of those things. And, you know, there have been some longstanding upgrades that needed to be made since they did the north end zone um, kind of additions. But uh, this is a good opportunity for SMU to once again build a uh, state-of-the-art facility, and they're doing just that in the south end zone. Before I go any further on uh, the Pac-12 to-do list for SMU, I have got to talk to you guys about our new friends 
of the On the Pony Express podcast, and that is Bird Dogs. Yeah, that's right, Bird Dogs. Um, this is a company that I've long kind of looked at and and really watched uh, from afar because um, I've I've bought other brands of of shorts and especially like in what I do going out to games and I'm a sweater, um, which is why I love that Bird Dogs has that anti stink anti. Um, kind of the sweat wicking fabric that they have in these shorts and these joggers and these pants um, that they have because I'm outside all the time. And so whether it's um, their bathing suits, whether it's their gym shorts, whether it's their khaki shorts, um, I mentioned the joggers and the pants. I love that they breathe. Um, And that's the big thing that stands out to me when talking about bird dogs. And so we now have a new promo code for you guys. um, And it gets you actually one of these handy dandy bird dog tumblers. Um, so I, I like to keep some water nearby uh, while I'm doing the show. Um, and, and you can see it right there. Um, you know, when it comes to uh, this beautiful Yeti um, tumbler that I got with my bird dogs, uh, that is something that you can get. Uh, the promo code is very simple, pony, P-O-N-Y, or go to birddogs.com slash pony, and that tumbler will be added right to your cart for free. Then pick out your shorts, see what you like. You could go khaki. You could go some of the you know more gym short style. Um, and most of these you can pick no liner, liner, um, and even some of the actual khaki shorts have that liner in them. And I've got a pair of them right here actually, um, and I, I love them so far. And the thing I like about them is one that liner um, that that is in the inside of the shorts. Um, very, very just compression short style uh, liner, which has that good feel to it. But one other thing too, and this is good for me, I've got video camera cards and um, it's, you know, car keys and all this stuff that sometimes when I have regular shorts on, they just get all jumbled up and it's hard to find them. So I can zip them in there, by, right in there. Um, and you also have your traditional pocket. These are great. I really, really enjoy these. Um, was wearing them out. Uh, my wife and I, Michelle, did a little brunch day and they were super comfortable and casual for, for brunch. So um, got to give it to bird dogs. They've really hooked it up a new partner for us here at on the pony They have that stretch khaki shorts, um, but also the fit of them. You know, I, I've had other brands and some of them kind of just fit a little different, but these really kind of hug your legs the right way and not in that uh, unflattering way either, um, which is, which is big of course, but even the pants, uh, I had those on uh, the joggers on the other day, and you can just bend and, and work in the yard and all that kind of cover yourself if you're trying to, um, you know, avoid the sun or whatever, really. Um, but they just have a really, really nice fabric to them. Um, so love uh, bird dogs and what they're doing for us. Again, get that free tumbler, um, the bird dogs tumbler um, with promo code pony, P O N Y. Or go to birddogs.com slash pony to redeem uh, or to get it added right away to your cart. It's going to be in there when you go to the link. So trust me, once you try bird dogs, you won't want to try anything else. Um, honestly, that 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 was it for me. Um, once I finally plunged in and took the leap, once I heard uh, they were wanting to partner with us, I gave them a shot. Um, and I love what I'm getting. I've got a fresh order coming in uh, this week as well. So I have more to share uh, with you guys as, as the month goes on. Uh, with bird dogs. So check them out, birddogs.com slash pony. So uh, now that I took a sip of water from my bird dogs uh, Yeti tumbler, we dive back in to SMU and their to-do list. And this is where I want to move from facilities, which SMU's invested in in a big way, to coaching staff, support staff. When you look at what Pac-12 programs are spending money on um, when it comes to coaching staffs. Uh, That is something that SMU is planning for already. Um, And this is where I, this is one of those reasons why you have to like where the leadership of SMU from the administration to the donors have really just made, just done such a great job. And and look, you've got um, the, the lowest paid coach in the league right now, um, at least last I checked looking at this article, is Washington State's Jake Dickert, $2.7 million a year. You go all the way up 
um, to uh, uh, Lincoln Riley, obviously making $9 million reported a year. They're a private school like SMU. Um, Rhett Lashley is rumored to be in that $2 million range. Um, Kyle Whittingham at Utah, $6.83 million. Coach Prime, $5.9 million. Uh, Dan Lanning, who you know comes from Georgia winning a national championship, taking over that head coaching deal. This is his first head coaching job, sitting there at $4.85 million. So these are high, high-level salaries at the top. And when you get to the Pac-12 if you're SMU, and you're let's say you come off a season that everybody kind of expects to have around SMU, which is, let's say, a conference championship or a conference championship game appear, uh, appearance for Rhett Lashley and his staff. They're going to need raises right away. Um, and that is going to be one of those things uh, that you're going to want to address right away. And I mentioned earlier in the podcast, SMU has a plan and they've called it the 2025 plan, but it's looking like 2024 if SMU can weasel their way uh, into a buyout situation with the AAC and then move in there a little early. But what it is, is it's a uh, large sum of money, really, that continues to grow. And all of it is earmarked for SMU football when it comes to coaching salaries, when it comes to things that coaching staff needs, travel, all of those things are kind of grouped into that. And it's also, it's almost like an endowment of sort for the football program that is on the non-university subsidized side of what the football program costs the school. This is earmarked for setting SMU up to be that, that power five program. And I know some people might sit there and say, well, why aren't they doing it now? Well, they don't have to, you know, right now, SMU is a group of five program. And if you're a group of five assistant or you're a group of five head coach, SMU pays fairly well. And that is just kind of where it is. And we've seen SMU invest in assistant coaching salaries. And this coaching staff that Rhett Lashley put together is one of those coaching staffs that I would say for the first time in a minute, we've seen just about every assistant come from either a coordinator role or a power five role. There are a couple first timers on there, uh, Johnny Brewer, Kyle Cooper, guys like that. But you've seen SMU need to invest in their coaching staff in different areas. Guys being rumored for different jobs. They need to buckle in and keep them around. They've done a really nice job of that. Um, but when you look at the Pac-12, the assistant, the average assistant coach pay is $407,000. Um, and that uh, was two years ago, um, a little under two years ago from what I'm reading. And then the next highest uh, conference is the AAC, but it drops off by $150,000 in assistant coach. Highest paid one two years ago, UCF's then defensive coordinator, Travis Williams. Um, who is one of the top uh, really rising coaches um, in the country. And um, he's now, um, I think he's uh, he's a defense coordinator at Arkansas. He's actually with Rhett Lashley at Auburn, uh, for what it's worth. Um, and that's going to be one of those things that right away SMU is going to have to address. And I, because it's a private school, I don't even know, maybe SMU has an escalator clause uh, for a Rhett Lashley contract, for an assistant coaching contract. I'm not sure. Um, but what I can tell you is if SMU comes off the type of season that everybody kind of expects them to have um, and and really why they can be at this high of a level, um, this is going to be one of those things where SMU can quickly flip that switch. And one, I think... I think Rhett Lashley wants to be here a while. I do. And, you know, I know Sonny Dyke said that. Rhett Lashley, I don't think he's gone on record and said it like that, and especially said it like Sonny Dykes did. Um, I think he wants to be here a while. I do. Now, when it comes to what's next for him beyond SMU, that's where, who knows, what the future holds. If he goes on to win you know, two out of three conference championships, some of the big dogs are really going to be knocking for that sustained success. Who knows where Arkansas is, where his home state is in a few years. Who knows where Auburn is, where he's well-known there on the plains. You're never going to be, and as we've seen with a guy like Lincoln Riley, with a guy like Brian Kelly, these coaches are going to move in all likelihood. There are very few, certainly Gary Patterson's, Kyle Whittingham's, you know, even even um, 
Brian Peterson, who ended up leaving for Washington years back from Boise State. Uh, Chris Peter Chris Peterson uh, leaving Boise State uh, for Washington at, at some point, finally. All of those things can happen. And sometimes money is just that you can't do anything about it. Coaches want a fresh start. Coaches want a new challenge. That's a, another story for another time. But what SMU is going to need to do, and they will do, is pay up in terms of what the um, – Average salary probably is for for a you know assistant coach at the very least, and I think Rhett Lashley really does a nice job of trying to get his assistant coaches well positioned salary wise, and from there then you address Coach Lashley's salary and and contract, and he would get um, quite the extension I would imagine if SMU comes off a season that the expectations around the program um, are expecting, and then you get into support staff and video staff and all those things, and then it's high time to probably expand it even more. You know I think. SMU went from the extreme with Chad Morris, which was nothing under June Jones to Chad Morris, which was video all the time, all sorts of, you know, a new, a new hashtag, which led to pony up Dallas, all those things. And that was the, okay, SMU is investing in this area of the program. Then you get to Sonny Dykes. They did a terrific job with, you know, the programs like Hilltop. I mean, that takes a staff and a half to really do and put together. But now we're at Lashley staff, I think has found a little bit more, of a common ground. They do the mic'd up stuff. They do a lot of, you know, behind the scenes kind of things um, with the program still, but it's not like a full blown <clears throat> television company falling around this football program, which I think is the right move. There's, there's gotta be a balance and there's a certain way to do it. I think that when it comes to where SMU is, as a program, you got to walk that line and we, you see the fan feedback, you know, if you don't, you know, go to a bowl game and, you have some of the finishes that SMU's had throughout the years, even before Rhett Lashley. And the first thing they say is, well, they're on, they're on Instagram doing so much, so many different things for the video staff, like just focus on football. That's where you got to draw the line, right? Well, in the PAC 12, who knows what the PAC 12 network looks like? Who knows what the type of um, content that the league's media providers are going to want to have? And that's where I think SMU can step it up a little bit and, and return to that level. I think Rhett Lashley has done a very good job. We watched this when Bobby Brown and Alex Brown were brought in. Now, Bobby Brown has moved on. Alex Brown is still here. But instead of saying, I got to pick one or the other for my recruiting staff and, and scouting department, you know, he went with both. And so that just shows you've got a little bit of juice behind this recruiting staff. They've done a great job keeping guys like Scott Natty bringing guys in like Danny West, um, Tyler Foster, um, all sorts of uh, people in that department overall that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. But that's a department that's fairly expansive um, in, in my mind, at least. And so positioning all those pieces together where they're well compensated and want to stay around, too, is also important when it comes to what would be the quick things to do right away, because people are going to gun for people that work at an SMU in a sense, because if they see success in recruiting and the transfer portal and scouting and all those things, they're at least until, you know, the PAC 12 comes knocking and there's an, a reinvestment in terms of overall money per year into that group, you're going to see people be able to be picked off. And that's just kind of the reality of it. People eventually have a number that, they get hit to leave and it, it happens. So um, I, I think SMU is going to be in very good position to keep everyone if they want to be here when other programs start calling. You know, there's always a dream job out there. There's always a, a large salary that somebody could get. But I don't think SMU is going to be a program that would ever really feel like, all right, we're going to walk because that's just, you know, just a little bit too high. You know, most of the time I hear SMU meets those kind of situations and maybe the coach leaves, maybe they don't, but um, coaching staff salaries, all of those things will be in place. SMU has a plan for that. That has been really led by guys like Bill Armstrong and uh, assistance from Paul Lloyd and, and some of the development staff, things like that. Um, so that is a really key piece to this program long-term that has already been put in place. Places that it's called, um, uh, I forget what it's called actually, but it's uh, 
the I think it's the vision plan 2025 um, uh, for SMU um, to be ready for when that when that next moment comes when they have to all of a sudden go from being a group of five program to being a power five program. Um, so uh, I applaud SMU on that front um, and and the people that are really leading the charge with things like that. And that leads me into my next uh, point about salaries, NIL, um, right? Uh, that is the name of the game these days uh, when it comes to what SMU has to do and has done to retain and bring in top talent. And look, the great thing about working at On3, our NIL staff and what they do in terms of how in-depth they cover this, these collectives, these deals, they verify contracts, they verify, you know, reported collective wealth among these programs. And SMU sits as the only group of five program in the top 20. And that's just accounting for the Boulevard Collective. We know what Pony Sports DTX has done for SMU football, especially. They have hit the nail on the head in terms of how you operate, how you get fans and donors engaged and wanting to be a part of, I mean, between Sonny Dykes leaving and, and now the full-blown plan from Rhett Lashley, saving SMU football. I mean, think about where SMU is without Pony Sports DTX and what they've done. I'm not trying to give them a free ad, but it's just the reality of it. Um, and now you have assembled this roster that is by far the most talented top to bottom that SMU has had, I would say, until the, I guess probably, and I'm just kind of throwing a, a dart at a dartboard at this point, but probably the third to last year under June Jones. Um, I'd have to go back and check the the results of the season, but um, there were still some pro guys on that on that team. Um, 2010, when I was on the team, really stuck out to me um, as far as the guys we had in that room. And 09 was great, obviously, with the Hawaii Bowl run. So there has been talent on this SMU team in the 2000s, but this team that SMU has put together for the 2023 season has got to be right up there. Um, they have guys that if they hit their potential, they can go pro. I think when you look at this roster, it wouldn't shock, shock me if <clears> – <throat> In terms of the starters, you could see five to six end up playing on Sundays for a long time if they hit their potential. You look at a guy like Jordan Curley, maybe a Jake Bailey in the slot, you know, both sets of both pairs of both running backs, Jalen Knight and LJ Johnson. Preston Stone, if he puts it together, will have a shot in the league. Um, RJ Maryland is one of those generational types that you you're sitting there like that is what the NFL loves right now, is those type of pass catching tight ends. Uh, Marcus Bryant, Hyron White, they're going to take their shots at the league. Defensively, you've got Charles Woods. You've got Jonathan McGill who will want to go. Um, you know, uh, some of the defensive linemen, Devere Levelston, um, Jordan Miller, maybe Elijah Roberts. Uh, there's enough talent that a lot of these guys are going to get looks. But what SMU has done with NIL between the two collectives puts them really right behind Oregon in the Pac-12. Um, it, it's pretty astounding um, in terms of what they've been able to do. I think Utah does a really nice job um, with, with their collective. Dion and what Colorado's doing is right up there, but I don't think it's as organized as maybe some of these other ones are. Um, but SMU is right away going to be one of those top NIL schools in the Pac-12 as soon as they get there, if they get that invite. And the, the thing about it is, and I talk to people from my run at SMU, before even some current students and everyone, I won't say everyone, but a lot of people are sitting here with that finger over the button to Pony Sports DTX. And they're just like, I'm almost there. I need the Pac-12. And I think that's where it could really explode. And I, I think that is going to be one of the biggest pieces when it all comes together is not only SMU doing what it does best already, which is targeting and being smart with the money that they get for a lot of these players, but also taking it to the next level, which would lead to better high school recruiting, in my opinion. When it comes to NIL, SMU is in that space of NIL 
when it comes to high school recruiting, but it's not at this insane level. You know, a lot of these players know that, all right, when I get to SMU, you know, the Boulevard Collective usually takes care of a lot of the SMU football players. When it comes to what's next beyond that, I know I could, if I ball out, Pony Sports DTX is going to be knocking on my door, so to speak. But when you get into recruiting battles for top-rated prospects, let's take a Colin Simmons. If SMU can get good news on the Pac-12 by the time he decides, they're at least going to be very much a, like, it wouldn't shock me if they're a hat on the table. And that's because the NIL piece is in place. SMU's had him on campus for official visit. That's just one example I want to use of where you can go from, as a group of five, you really are recruiting a prospect where you're not too sure. I mean, there are guys that we see in Alex Kilgore. I see a Jamarian Carroll. I see Day-Day Wimberly when he's got it on. Um, guys like that that have really put it together. And you're saying, okay, all right, as long as they have it together on and off the field, they'll be good to go. And they're going, they would be worth NIL. But for some of the other prospects, you're sitting there saying, okay, well, he's definitely going to have to prove himself. Um, and there's no reason to, you know, entice. And let's just call it what it is these days. That happens across the country with every single program. When you get into a Power Five program or Power Five conference, you're going to be able to recruit a different kid in terms of the, the prospect level and the baseline prospect. And we've talked about that before. But where you can help win maybe some of these battles a little bit more is saying, well, you, you know what the NIL program is here. And the NIL program with these changing laws in Texas could very much shift just a touch towards some higher profile high school prospects that SMU could get. And that would really raise the level of recruiting. Check another thing off the to-do list. I don't think SMU needs to change its overall mindset on where they're recruiting. I think we've seen them touch the West Coast a little bit. We've seen them go to Florida a little bit. Um, we saw Gulfport, Mississippi with Eric Moore come for an official visit. We saw a little bit of Oklahoma. But Texas is obviously going to be the key state overall. And that also accounts for transfers. And the good thing about transfers is you might see maybe not as much NIL needed to get a player who maybe goes far and doesn't like it or has a family situation or just wants to play at SMU in his hometown, say, all right, well, now I can come back. But because you're going to a Power 5 program, you don't need to entice as much uh, to get them to come uh, to the hilltop. So it'll be a very interesting thing if SMU gets in the Pac-12, how much that NIL piece changes between high school and transfer. Uh, because we've had we've seen it run so well through the years um, that – that SMU can certainly um, swing with the big boys um, without a doubt. Quick reminder before we kind of move on to the last couple pieces on the pod, but uh, again, big game USA, check them out. Look at this ball. It's beautiful. So Preston Stone designed this and you can go to big game USA and their headquarters and you could see stitches kind of like around here. And even they go all the way around the ball sometimes. Well, Preston doesn't like that. He doesn't like having stitches messing with his throwing um, hand and things like that. So he really worked with them for a certain feel on the ball, um, which is really cool. So, I mean, you are getting what Preston Stone is throwing. I kind of wish they had this football when I was at SMU. Maybe it would have gone a little different. But um, all kidding aside, um, check them out. BigGameUSA.com. Promo code BEON3 gets you 10% off your order plus free shipping. So check them out um, and uh, post about them. Let, let me know on the message board if you uh, – do get that order in for a big game USA official SMU game ball. I talked about recruiting and I think when it comes to recruiting a different type of prospect, I think the biggest area that we could see SMU one in terms of to-do list need to step up out of the high school ranks is offensive line recruiting and defensive line recruiting. And let me be very clear. You look at the groups that Garen Justice and Calvin Thibodeau have brought in. And they've been pretty good. I mean, this is not a situation where they're bad and the coaches aren't good and things like that. You're looking at a signing class with Damian Wimberly, who had some power five interest, and especially a couple of programs pushing real hard late. I mean, he's a guy that just got here in July. If he could have gotten to Auburn, for example, in June, he might have ended up there. 
Auburn was one of those programs that um, was really after him hard. Um, you also have Braden Flowers, um, great eval there. He looks like he's going to be a multi-year starter when it's all said and done. Kevin Allen, a great late eval by Calvin Thibodeau um, from all early reports. Sean Scott, that developmental tackle that you kind of hear about. He's very quiet. No one knows much about him. And then sometimes you see those guys are the ones that end up going somewhere in the NFL draft. Reagan Gill is a, uh, a, another added depth piece. Alex Woods has great um, lineage when it comes to playing. His brother played for Garen Justice. But when it comes down to it, you're going to be able to maybe not say, okay, we're going to recruit against, you know, Troy and UAB and win out for Graham Utter, who's a legacy. King Large had some big Power 5 offers early. Now, I think he's a really good prospect, but in reality, a lot of his other offers are, are group of five. You can take that baseline and go to another level. Now, offensive line is a very a, like eval key position. If a guy doesn't want to put weight on, he's probably not going to put weight on. If a guy doesn't want to lose weight, he's probably not going to lose weight. Um, it is a very much a want-to position when it comes to taking the tools you have, like a Sean Scott, for example, 6'7", about 255. They're going to be able to pack weight on because all the kid does is lift. He doesn't do social media. He doesn't, he doesn't do much at all. He plays football, and he loves it, and he comes from a great family of athletes. That's the type of projection that you really kind of want to see. And he added a Cal offer late as well. But you can also now go after some of the guys that maybe SMU had offers out to and be a bigger player for. Now, a guy like Weston Davis, who's at Texas A&M now, SMU kind of jumped in there late. You're not going to see a guy like that, you know, at times end up at SMU. Um, but you look at some of the guys locally, look at Gibson Pyle. Uh, he's from Houston, but four-star pro or three-star prospect. Um, he's highly thought of. He's now committed to Nebraska. Um, some of these other prospects that SMU offered, uh, Makai Saina from Arlington Martin. He's committed to USC. Um, uh, I, I'm looking on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe maybe Zena Umayozulu gives SMU a better look. Maybe Chedo Afili, who committed to Texas Tech, gives SMU a better look. Um, both of those guys, two of the top edge rushers in the country. I think your floor gets so much higher at those positions and they're premium positions. So, yes, you can go be an Ed Oliver and he was going to be a no brainer and all those things. But just getting that higher level of baseline in the trenches would go such a long way for SMU. We've seen what they can do when it comes to the running back, the wide receiver even the tight end position, you know, to an extent um, at that spot. But also look at how the corner rooms reshape. Safety room, Scott Simons and Maurice Crum work that linebacker room. It's it's still a position that maybe you could bring it up a little bit. That baseline of player that SMU could bring in goes up across the board. But I think most importantly, when you get into the Pac-12, and remember the Pac-12 is still kind of, it's spread in, in most places, but you also see a little bit of pro style here and there. You know, Stanford was pro style a good bit. Um, I think Cal was a little bit. Um, but you are seeing more of the spread now come into play. But you're almost seeing a resurgence of programs, especially Georgia's, the, the poster child for this. Think about how bad Georgia's offenses have been. All of a sudden, they're running three tight ends, and they just keep recruiting number one, number one, number one, number one, number one tight end in the country each year. And they just reload, and they do that. And then they recruit the trenches really well. Now, SMU, not going to be Georgia. Sorry, at least right now. But that is a position group on the offensive and defensive lines where NIL could help. And if, if I was in charge, I would be sitting there saying, this is where we can really upgrade and minimize risk of evals. And that's where SMU could take this to the next level because they're going to face more athleticism. They're going to face it on both sides of the ball. But especially when you look at what SMU's offense is right now, what has been kind of the bugaboo here, here and there. Now, I felt last year that was the best pass-protecting offensive line SMU's had in years. I thought Tanner Mordecai had tons of time all year. 
And when you also look at it from the running back side of things in the run game, I felt like SMU was kind of missing some things. They missed that run blocking tight end. Well, maybe they can find one of those uh, because the recruiting could be better, which would be on the top of my check checklist for a Rhett Lashley offense anyway. But then you get into that offensive line. If that baseline offensive line is better, they're able to compete better with some of those uh, Samoans that end up at Utah and, and uh, yeah, you know, some of those guys on the West Coast at Washington and places like that, Oregon. Those are athletic, really tough guys, and SMU has to match that. I think when it comes to roster construction, you really don't have to touch SMU much. Your baseline is going to get better across the board, so keep that in mind. But what you need to do, most importantly, is really address that offensive and defensive lines and bring in that elite athleticism and size up front, which Power 5 programs, that's the difference most times between the group of five and the Power 5, but also just good programs and great programs. So I think SMU has done a really nice job addressing both sides of the ball through the portal, through some of the guys they brought in. But just overall, that's where they're going to need to step it up the most. So. That's kind of it on the football front. Now, when it comes to basketball, I was out there at practice on Monday morning. I'll spend a couple minutes on this and then we're, we're out of here on the pod. But SMB basketball, one, I want to say, and I'm going to post a bunch of notes at OnThePonyExpress.com, a lot of insider on three plus content coming your guys' way from my time. I watched two and a half hours of practice, talked to Coach Lanier, a bunch of the other coaches. Really just awesome to be welcomed like that. and you know, in the middle of the off season where it's, it's just the team, there's no preseason chat or uh, chatter and things like that. They're just working, you know, for a program to welcome, uh, you know, a reporter, they don't have to do that, but I can tell you it, it goes a long way. It doesn't affect how I'm going to cover them, but I enjoy it. That's what I enjoy doing is going out and watching practice workouts, whatever, because I think it helps me just overall be a better reporter when I know some of the storylines dating back to a summer with a team and just getting around the teams and the coaches, you get to know them more. Maybe you find out a story or whatever that you can work on for the season. That's what it's about when I go out to these workouts. Um, so um, I was able to go out briefly to an SMU football one. Hopefully I'll be able to go back, but SMU basketball first class and how they uh, allowed me in um, for a little Monday morning two-ish hour workout, um, full practice. Um, this is this was the first of their 10 practices they're allowed. So I'm actually going to try to go make it back next week um, and maybe the week after that uh, before those wrap up, before they go to Spain. They go to Spain for about 10 days. They're going to do Madrid, Valencia, Barcelona, and do that overseas trip. Um, and they go, I think, August 1st is what uh, Coach was telling me. But it is night and day between when I went – to SMU basketball practice last summer and even early, early this summer with what they brought in and how hard they're practicing. And even afterwards, I didn't see anybody roll out of there quick and leave. They all shot free throws. You're welcome, everyone. They're shooting free throws. Work on their shot. Work on their moves. Talk with coaches. Last year, when Coach Lanier just got there, those guys... I don't, I'm not going to like sit here and name names, but they would practice and they'd be out. And to get better, you've got to do extra. And that's what we're seeing. And I thought it was a really physical, tough practice um, for the middle of summer, just them. And uh, I think Zurich Phelps and Sam Williamson are taking key leadership roles. I think Chuck Harris is going to be awesome for Zurich Phelps, another veteran guard to kind of help him overall and a guy that could shoot the basketball at a high clip. Um, I, I really like the continued development of Xavier Foster, but Mo and Jai also. But I think between Jaheim Hudson, the Georgia State transfer, and Tyreek Smith, the Oklahoma State transfer in the front court, we're seeing two guys come in that have a – when it comes to Jaheim, he plays so hard, he doesn't care at all about anything else other than basketball and playing hard. I know he cares about school too, but – that's what he's like in there. And he's a really likable guy, too. Got to talk with him briefly after. Tyreek Smith, super athletic. That's what SMU needed. They needed to upgrade their athleticism. I think they did that in the in the backcourt as well um, with guys like Chuck Harris, Denver Anglin, uh, BJ Edwards. I thought I thought Denver Anglin was he can he can 
he can fly. Uh, he was running through some drills and really had a, a pretty intense first step um, that that'll help SMU. Um, once he puts it all together, he, he really came from a bad situation, I think, at Georgetown. But that talent is, is certainly there with him. So we're going to post a bunch of notes on the site. Um, I have notes on every single player, kind of how they do things. But I'll leave you with this. Yes, the team worked on free throws. They put them through a pressure-packed free throw rebounding session at the end of practice. Um, everybody but uh, Chuck Harris, who shot 86% from the free throw line last year for Butler. But uh, this team is working incredibly hard on communicating, especially on the defensive end. And this is a piece of the continued development of this program and a complete 180 from the culture under Tim Jankovic in terms of run and gun, high offensive numbers, analytics, things like that, to very much defensive-minded when it comes to Rob Lanier. And just talking with him, he's he knows the work's not, work is not done, and there is still a lot of room for growth, but you've got to be able to play defense and rebound for him. And he doesn't really waver on that, and he doesn't waver on it when it comes to transfers or high school or whatever. That's what is a super key piece when it comes to playing basketball, once again, now at SMU, and I'm not comparing on Larry Brown, but we know how good SMU was when you prioritize defending and rebounding. Um, so uh, really enjoyed my time at SMU basketball. Um, they still have one scholarship open. I'll have some notes on the site about that and their approach, as well as some recruiting notes, too, on basketball. So lots to get to on OnThePonyExpress.com. So join today. I'm going to try to get those basketball notes up before the end of the day, but if not, they'll be up first thing Tuesday morning. So hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. This is a a fun time of year, doing a lot of planning for the season. Uh, Want to do some, I'm going to try to aim for live post-game shows from about half of SMU's home games. I know where I'm going to do them, uh, and maybe it grows to a larger number of them, but I'm going to start out with half the games, but we will have live post-game shows every game. It's just a matter of if I do them somewhere else. And that might have to do with timing of the games and kickoffs and things like that. So with that, guys, uh, it's, ex- it's an exciting time. I've also had some people reach out about sponsoring the podcast. Um, if you have any, um, if you want to sponsor the On the Pony Express podcast, um, please reach out to me at billy.mbody um, at on3.com. I'll put it up here real quick for you guys. Billy.mbody at on3.com. So you can do that. We've got a lot of opportunities between all of our practice highlights, our coaches and player interviews, as well as um, the podcast. So if you guys um, are local, we have a strong local listening base in Dallas. We also have Houston, Austin uh, that listen a ton. I can get you guys analytics on that. And the as season gets here, this thing's only going to take off even more. So if you're interested, reach out to me. But with that, I hope you guys had a great Monday and a great weekend. It's going to be another big week at OnThePonyExpress.com. Don't miss it. We're a week away, no, two weeks away from AAC Media Days, um, where Rhett Lashley and the Mustangs will appear in Arlington um, for that. So check it out. $10 a month to join OnThePonyExpress.com. With that, guys, have a great rest of your Monday and the rest of your week. Have a good one. Thanks for listening.